You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey Halpus, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. And this week we have another hilarious comedian, Anthony DeVito. His new album is called Dream Occupation on Comedy Central Records, and he is absolutely fantastic. He was uh, brought to my attention by his publicist, and uh, I was able to listen to his stuff, and I seriously listened to it nonstop uh, for the rest of that week. It's absolutely hilarious. Anthony is uh, just made an appearance on the Colbert uh, Stephen Colbert show. He is also, uh, you know, with his album coming out, has a special coming out um, in October as well. And uh, just a fantastic dude. He's got a podcast called the Bad or excuse me, the Rad Dude Cast, and uh, you know. It's always hilarious when comedians have podcasts, of course, but uh, able to sit around and, and have fun with his friends on his podcast and just talk about whatever, and uh, it's it's really funny. So uh, anyway, stoked to have Anthony on the show, and uh, I know you guys will as well. It was a great conversation, very, very just real and down-to-earth, you know, uh, like usual. Had a bunch of notes and didn't use them, didn't need them. Uh, we just had a nice organic conversation, and uh, just what a great guy, man. And uh, super stoked for you guys to hear it. So uh, we're going to get right into it here. So we are on PeerPleasurePodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Uh, definitely follow us on there. Uh, you can shoot me an email at PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com. And we do have the Patreon. It is officially up and live. So go over to Patreon.com slash PeerPleasurePodcast and get signed up for your tier. Get your bonus content, bonus episodes, merch. We've got all sorts of awesome shit going on over there. So definitely check out the Patreon. Um, we love having you guys back week after week. All the feedback, the guest requests. It's just absolutely fantastic. And we were so stoked to have Anthony on the show today. And uh, I know you guys are going to be stoked as well once you hear this. And, and uh, you know, hopefully check out his stuff because he is absolutely hilarious. And uh, so without further ado, let's check out my conversation with Anthony DeVito. A friend of mine was talking to me about sex. He was like, how many girls have you ever slept with? What's your number? And then my number was so low that he goes, all right, just how many people have ever seen your penis? <laughs> and I don't know the answer to that, but that's a way more interesting group. <laughs> you put my mom, Dr. Michael Scapatulo, <laughs> some random Gap employee. <laughs> All in the same room, that's all they'd have in common. <laughs> that's how I'm organizing one table at my wedding. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, Anthony, how you doing, dude? Good. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me all right? Uh, yeah, I can hear you okay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you great, dude. You're coming right through. Cool. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, I couldn't... Uh... I, I was out of the house, like I had to do another podcast and just uh, doing like a bunch for the album or whatever. Uh -huh. So uh, I, I, I can't kind of be indoors and talk. 
because New York is so cramped, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I'm just, I'm outdoors in a park. So if you hear, uh, <laughs> if you hear um, two uh, women screaming at each other, that they're going to kill each other, it, you know, just don't worry about it. Uh, that's just what's going on in the background. Um <laughs> Dude, this podcast is totally punk rock, dude. I mean, I've recorded in some weird fucking places, and oh, right cool. now I'm recording mobily right now uh, in between uh, work and school, so I've got, I'm actually recording right. mobily in my van because I had some time. Oh, I was going nice. to do it at my studio, but I, I just traffic was horrible, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go straight there. I brought my mobile yeah. setup, and so yeah, I did some weird stuff. So yeah. you might hear a train go by. You might right, hear some construction. Right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. No problem. Cool. Yeah. Okay. As long as we're both uh, in sync on that, Absolutely. I didn't want you to be like, "Hey, can you tell her to quiet down?" <laughs> like, I don't think I can actually. Dude, uh, <laughs> chime, her, chime her in. She might. She might make things. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. You know? <laughs> I'll see if she wants to come on. <laughs> <laughs> well cool man well the podcast is called the pure pleasure podcast and uh one of the coolest things about this whole this whole podcast thing is discovery for me and and that you're your case in point there i was i had reached out to your publicist about uh, a different comedian and she's like well that person isn't doing anything right now uh but what do you think of these guys and she sent me you and she sent me uh, josh johnson and i was like Okay, oh I'm no gonna, way! I'm going to check these guys out. So I turned it on, and I was yeah. at work, and I was I was laughing my ass off, and I was like, "Dude, this is great!" I emailed her back. I was like, "This is fantastic!" Like, I, <laughs> how did this happen? You know? And and uh, she's like, "Well, yeah, I'll check and see if they want to do the show." And then they're like, "Yeah, they're in. Cool." I was like, "Well, this is badass." <laughs> I'm finding new. <laughs> oh music, I'm finding new comedy. I mean, I I yeah, it's awesome. So. Oh, thanks, man. That's so nice of you to say, man. Thank Dude, you. And, and uh, Josh is a—he's a good friend. So, awesome. Uh, that's uh, that's so cool. Cool. Yeah, he's coming on on the seventh, and then um, yeah, it's so it's it's cool. And you're also a podcaster, which is awesome. So you know how it goes. Yeah, totally, one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, right that's on. That's yeah, man. That's the great thing about like you were saying about you know you're recording in the van right now. It's just like that's what's so great about a podcast. I mean. You you don't have to like you know go into a studio do the whole thing. It's like I hey, just do it in a van. I could be in a park, and it's like it's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it's totally Great. rogue. Like I've I've recorded episodes. You know, I have three kids, and I've recorded episodes literally in my right. in my bathroom while they're asleep with a blanket over. Right. You know, when I couldn't right. get to the studio or whatever, and and first starting out, I didn't even have a studio, so it's yeah it's it's awesome and that adds to the the story later like i did uh ian mckay from fugazi in my uh in my car on my lunch break in the rain on a construction site like it was <laughs> it was awesome like it was that uh, right. adds to the story so i don't know on your podcast uh the rad dude cast do you guys do it just at a house and kind of have a setup where or like a scheduled time you do it or do you do it um kind of on the fly uh, yeah, I mean, we're more like, uh, on the fly, especially because it's the three of us and we're all comics. Uh-huh. So it's like, you know, as it goes on, you're just like, we're all on the road at different times. So, uh, we kind of can't, we, we can't really operate on a regular schedule, but then, yeah, like it's, it's just, it's out of our apartment. There's okay. no studio. I think every single episode, uh, uh, Greg, who's one of the guys, like he doesn't know how to work the sound for the first five or ten minutes. So it's like it's a real. I don't. I mean, it like borders on unlistenable and uh, charming. Uh, I think it's like right in that zone. I don't know. Oh, God, I was listening. I think to the latest episode this morning at work, and uh, I forget yeah. who it was saying it, but he kept saying, "Show it to me," and uh, in this yeah, accent, yeah. and then it went on to other accents, which went to complete like full on. Like, uh, yeah, he's like, I think this is bordering on offensive. I think that's what you guys said. He, he changed it over to a very, yeah. very clear uh, uh, stereotype. But yeah, yeah, that um, we we was kind of use uh, I don't know if I use that, but like um, I mean, you know, obviously it's it's totally uncompromised. So we try to let the podcast be as free as possible. Um, but you know, within that. You know, we we're very we try to be very clear uh, throughout doing the whole podcast that if it does get offensive or we fall on these stereotypes, like it's it's all done out of irony. 
Uh, we're not like we don't like seriously believe in what we're saying in those moments. <laughs> but I do. Uh, yeah, I will say like if anything happens, uh, I guess like super mainstream success network television or whatever, I'm gonna have to burn the Red Dude cast. I mean that thing is it's gonna have to be like it never existed. <laughs> it was literally yeah. ten minutes of him doing this impression and you guys just laughing your asses off. It and it was yeah. one of those things where it became more and more funny. Like I wasn't laughing out loud in the beginning. I was like, Yeah, that's pretty funny and then as it kept going, I started laughing and my boss is looking yeah. over like, What yeah. is going on? I was like, dude, it's it's podcast. Yeah. That was the thing. Like when we first started it, um, we were like, we were just doing this for us. Uh, so the fact that anyone listens and also finds it funny, like we're more blown away by that than anything else. Like this is the one thing I've ever done within comedy for the most part, where that somebody goes, yeah, I tried to listen to it. I wasn't into it. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, I can't imagine that you would be. <laughs> so when people are on board, I'm like, I don't know how. But thank you. Um, so that part has been, um, it's been really fun to kind of see uh, people throughout the years like come out of the woodwork and uh, that they're fans of it. Because they're generally like, um, they're, <laughs> they're, it's actually weird. I mean, like, they're generally, um, they're kind of like, they walk the line between uh, like a bro and a weirdo. So they're in this like real sweet spot of like an introverted like fraternity guy, which, you know, like I don't even know really exists. Um, but so like, so then there's that. And then the other, for whatever reason, I couldn't tell you why. Um, there are just people who are in the Middle East, guys from the Midwest in uh, the U.S. who are in Kabul fighting for our country love the Radu cast. Um, I, I don't know if that's a testament to how crazy it is, that they're just like, if I'm going to war, this is the only thing that I can listen to. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But like that, those particular two groups seem to be uh, our, uh, our demographic. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't be happier about it, to be honest. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, it, it makes them probably yeah. feel like they're sitting in a room with their buddies. Like it, It's kind of like I you're think, just in yeah. a party and you're listening into this conversation that's uh, exactly. absolutely hilarious like it's just yeah yeah i think you're right and i think that is what it is it's that it's uh it's loose and it does feel like you're just like hanging out with your friends back home yeah. so maybe there is like um uh it's like sort of cathartic i don't know but uh but yeah most of our snapchats it's like a guy with a rocket launcher and we're like what <laughs> how are you listening to the rat <laughs> <laughs> that's badass yeah well it's also interesting too because I mean, you look at you guys are all comics, and you know comics right. on stage are pretty hilarious, but sometimes off stage are not. And the yeah. fact that there's three of you that are comics that are that much fun off stage is also fascinating. <laughs> you know, because you see it all the time. Yeah. Like they're just sitting around after the set, like not really talking to anybody. Or, oh yeah, this yeah. happened to me today. You know, and and that ten minutes right. up on stage is their life. You know, but you guys have yeah. fun all the time. It seems like. Yeah, like. the the box, Yeah, I think it's also um, just doing it with uh, people around. Uh, just speaking for myself, people around me that I'm comfortable with and I know are going to laugh if I if I take a chance. Because mm -hmm. uh, more often than not, and I mean you probably know this as well, like you'll do, you know, stand up. Obviously, you're just on stage by yourself. But like on radio or a podcast, you're dependent on other people, and like sometimes they just give you nothing. And and they're like friends of yours, yeah. And you're like, what the hell are you doing to me here? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, don't you want this to be good? They just stone you, and you're like, what? What is this? I thought we liked each other. Yeah. So uh, with second friend, and I found that almost like I mean we're uh, you know like best friends off you know air or whatever. Um, I, I just found that like we just we like being around each other more so than just like oh we perform together and we click or whatever. Uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah. That it's like the same with my show where I do it. I do it once a week and um, you're going to be episode, right. I think 49. So almost a year. And nice. I, I've had one interview where I've actually been like, all right, well, and then filled it, <laughs> filled it with music, you know, like I just couldn't yeah. take it anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it, it really is like when you're like on a date with somebody and you're like, well, this isn't going anywhere, but I guess we got to go through dinner. Yeah. Um, it's it's so weird, and I don't know why. It's like, why would you do this? The same thing happens in stand up, where you know, it's, you know, I, I, I'll do a club, uh, and it'll be a huge room, seats hundred, you know, fifteen people are there, 
and they're bad. And you're like, nobody else is coming. Like, it's just us. And I am contractually obligated to be up here for about 45 minutes. So this is the situation. You paid money. Let's have a good time. And, like, they'll stand there with their arms crossed. And they're like, what? what's wrong with you? <laughs> I yeah. Do you have you ever been have you ever been heckled in a situation like that where it's like a I mean on the music side it's like when you're first starting out music you have you know maybe the bartender and a security guard there but when you have oh like, my god you know a yeah. big crowd I could see hecklers you know really the anonymity's there but when there's like five or yeah. six people there has that ever happened to you where people are just or they just stonewall you sometimes yeah I mean yeah I definitely had that happen to me where and and that even tougher because you know when it's uh usually um you know exactly like there's anonymity there's hundreds of people there more often than not you're going to get the majority of the room on your side uh-huh. doesn't always happen but most of the time it does happen okay but when there's like six people and four of them are together those four people most likely if they're friends share a common sensibility so if one person in that group <laughs> hates you there's a good chance the rest of the four do and then that leaves a couple who are on your side, but they're not going to say anything because they're outnumbered. So you're just, yeah. And, and that sucks because, like, they're ultimately being rude, obviously. They're not supposed to be doing that. It's a show, all the things that come along with that. But in that moment, they're uh, they're in the right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's like it's hard to shut them down because everybody's on their side. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can't think of anything uh, specifically, but that's definitely happened. And um, what's good about when you just start off, is that you're doing uh, shorter sets. Yeah. So you're like, most most of the time, especially in New York, you're doing showcase sets. So there's usually like 10 to 15 minutes at most. Um, so it, when that's happening, it's happening for like, you know, 12 minutes. Uh-huh. When you're, you know, like as you go on, like I'm doing longer sets now, so like 40, 50 minutes, whatever. So you can't really sustain that level of like awkwardness or interaction with a heckler for that amount of time. So it's good when it happens earlier because you're not really on stage for a while. Sure. Are you? And so when you do get heckled, I mean, this is this is probably a common question you get all the time. But when you do get heckled, sure. are you the kind of guy who turns the audience on that person or gets you know um, not belligerent, but you know, yeah, uh, like Bo Bur- uh, Bo Dur- or I forget his name. I, I completely losing it here. But uh, he immediately just says yeah. like, "Shut the fuck up." Like, oh, we'll yeah. just stop. Bill Burr? Is that yeah. What you or, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'll say, uh, you know, just he, shut the fuck up and go off on him. Or are you the kind yeah. of guy that just, you know, plays it off? I, mean, I know it screws up yeah. your rhythm, but. Yeah, I've definitely done both. It okay. kind of depends on the room. Like, if it's a room where I'm like, all right, these people, they're here for jokes, they're listening, they're a smart crowd, one person is being a dick, then I'll try to. You know, I'll try to, like, play a little smarter, a little quieter, where I'll just try to understand where they're coming from at first. Uh-huh. Try to give them the benefit of the doubt, because lots of times they're not bad people. They just don't they don't know the etiquette of the room. So yeah. try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And then I'll kind of let them hang themselves um, by just uh, talking, and then I'll do a you know, smart-ass rebuttal to whatever that is. <laughs> but if it's like, I mean, I came up in, you know, a lot of just, like, one-nighters in Jersey and, like, Italian restaurants, and they're animals. So that's... I'm, yeah, in that moment, I'm coming at them. And I, that's not who I am, yeah. but it's inside me, and I can kind of grab it whenever I need to. But I don't like being there. Um, I mean, you know, how, like, you know, that's anybody where you're like, you get to a certain level of anger, and you're like, I don't like the person I am right now. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, it's necessary for the situation. Um, I'm trying to, uh, yeah. Yeah, it really is room-dependent. And then, like, sometimes, like, I was doing a bunch of one-nighters last weekend in uh, Florida. I was in Key West, and a girl was just eight. She was just clearly on her phone filming me. And and not that, like, I'm, you know, uh, famous or anything like that at all. But it's like, she could put that on YouTube. I might be doing newer material. She could, you know, put whatever filters, whatever description she wants on there. Uh She can really make me look like an asshole. So that was, like, a time where... That's the most uncomfortable because that's not like a fun interaction. Um, that was like, hey, I, I need you to stop doing that, and these are the reasons. So it's like I'm giving her a lesson, and then I have to go right back into talking about how my grandma's getting married. Yeah. So like that was, that was that. Those times are uncomfortable, but um, lots of times, 
not that it's aid, not that at all ever aids for the show, but you can kind of maneuver it in a way where it doesn't disrupt your set too, too much. Uh-huh. Um, but it's much tougher. It's always tougher when, when it's one person, it's, it's easy because you're just going back and forth with them and everybody else for the most part is probably annoyed with them or on your side. I think I was I was in Edmonton this summer and there was like a oh man yeah there was it was a you know was, I think a hundred some whatever people there but like there was a bachelor party there but it was like forty guys so it was just noise the whole time and it's not like I I don't it's just ambient noise yeah and if I say anything they're a large portion of the room so like that that's when it's the worst when it's like ambient noise and you can't pinpoint it. And you have to be like, hey, can the right side quiet down? <laughs> it's not as commanding when you do that. But, like, yeah, that, that sucks the most, for sure. Okay. Um, and it sucks, too, because, like, yeah, you're bombing, man. You just, you're you're sweating. You're, you have such tunnel vision. I remember I was bombing once so bad at a casino that the bartender came on stage next to me. I hadn't even noticed he was up there. And he's like a he was like six foot five, he's like a big guy, because uh-huh. I'm like a pro wrestler. And he like just placed a shot on the stool next to me, <laughs> and the crowd like and the crowd started laughing. And I thought I like had finally won them over, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, all right, here we go, we got some momentum cooking. And then like they were all pointing like to the right of me, and I was like, wow, what? Like I was like trying to make a joke out of it, like I know, like what's to the right? Like I don't, and then I looked over, and he's standing there. And he just put it down, and he goes, I just, I feel like you need this right now. And then got a huge laugh. And then I had to do, like, another, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or something. It was brutal. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, they say you yeah. don't, you, you remember the shows that were bad. You don't remember the good shows. Like, you remember yeah. the ones that are bad forever. Oh. Yeah. And, oh. I, and I, yeah, 100%. And I think that's just also a natural uh, thing that uh, comedians do as well. Where we just uh, we're we're not generally speaking, but we're usually not uh, people prone to like just being like, "Hey, ninety-five percent of the audience love me." Usually, they're like, "Why did that one guy hate me? What was his problem?" <laughs> it's more of that. Yeah. So yeah, and you can see it too because I mean, music. You're you got crowd cheering regardless. Like people are cheering. You can't see the guys that are the two guys that are flipping you off necessarily. Yeah. At comedy, I could see it. So you mentioned the cell phone thing. I know with entertainment yeah. in general, the being able to videotape anything has has really fucked with everything. But when you're a comedian doing new material, like you're doing open mics and stuff, like working new stuff Basically. out. What? Yeah. What? Uh, what is that meant for you? I mean, how long have you been doing comedy? Like, uh, were you doing comedy before this whole like cell phone rage, where you know uh, you could go on an open mic, open mic and hit right? You know, right. Yeah, I've been doing it eight years, so I've been doing it for as long as people have kind of been filming everything. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, it is. That is a thing uh, for the most part. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable, and that's exactly like why I had that, the girl in Key West um, yeah. put down her phone. Um, yeah, because that does uh, pose a huge problem, because it's kind of like when you're doing a new joke, it kind of doesn't matter all that much who you are in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter how much television you've done, how many shows you've done. You're just a person saying something for the first time and being extremely vulnerable. And, and oftentimes it's worse than in that situation because you are a person of merit. So when you're, you know, giving out a new idea, it's, it's just a new idea. Like, it, that's really all it is. So it's like, it's, it's very, um, yeah, it's very, very nerve-wracking. The idea that someone could be taping that. I'm, on my level, I'm not as concerned about it just because of where I'm at. Yeah. So when like it, it does happen, it's more of an anomaly, like whatever happens in QS. But I do remember, and I wasn't there, but it was a night at uh, a great show on Monday nights uh, at 11 at UCB called Whiplash. And um, this is maybe six months ago, it might be a year, I don't know. But Chris Rock dropped in. Uh-huh. And, um, and whenever, uh, like Amy Schumer dropped in once when I was hosting, and she was, she was explicit about me making sure that everyone turns their phone. You know, and like, if the, I didn't give it away that it was her, but it was like, hey, somebody big is about to come out. Uh, <laughs> don't film her. You know, don't do any, like, don't do anything like that because they're gonna leave. And yeah. uh, everyone complied with that. So I think prior to that, so another time I wasn't there, but Chris Rock was about to go on. Post gave very similar speech, and then he went on, and this is Chris Rock, and a, somebody took out their phone and started filming him and he was like 
uh, put your phone away, like, right now. If I see anything else, like, I'm going to get out of here. And I think somebody else did it, and he left. And it sucks because it was like, man, you just deprived, your actions just deprived the whole theater full of people a chance to see Chris Rock work out, you know, maybe an hour of new material. Yeah. And some jokes that, like, and what's really cool about that is, like, I, particularly with him, I remember seeing him, this is like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, at the comedy shows, before I was doing comedy, we would just, you know, I grew up in North Jersey, so we'd go every now and again. And uh, he was introduced, he did it an hour, and it was like, I still remember some of those jokes, and I've never seen them on any special. So it's like, that's something that I always thought was really, really cool. And uh, to deprive those people of that, I thought really stuck. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's definitely a problem, especially at like a larger level. And that's why guys like Dave Chappelle, um, won't perform unless like, you know, all everyone's phones are taken away. Yeah. I've seen a few movies like screener movies where they actually put my phone in a plastic bag and hang on to it till yeah. it's over. That's totally. There's a place. Yeah. The, uh, comedy works in Denver does that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, it makes for a totally different show. It really does. Um, because you're not, not only are you not, you know, filming, but you're like, you're not worried. Because one, you know, even if your phone's off, whatever, if it goes off in your pocket, if it's on vibrate, you're now thinking about that and you're not totally focused on a show. So you're not 100% there. So with it removed, it makes like an enormous difference. Yeah. And that's only because, you know, a select group of people can't help but, you know, save people. Yeah. And yeah. it's such a cool thing with comedy where, you guys, you guys workshop stuff in front of people. Like, totally, it's such an, a unique medium, right. you know. And people, I don't yeah. think understand. Like, there, it's it same. Like, comparing me, I come from the music world, so I compare to it a lot. But, right, um, you know, when a band says, "Hey, we're going to try a new song," they have hashed that song out so many times. Right. It's going to go right. on the record, right. and you're going to get to right. hear it first, right. instead of this is something that might be really special, and you never see it again. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and people just totally. so I there's mean, there's fans of Nickelback. I'll put it out there. There's fans of Nickelback that just sure. like, oh yeah, I like that beat. You know, they don't know anything about music or integrity or anything. But right. then with comedy, it's kind of the same thing where there's people that are like, oh, yeah. I just want someone to make me laugh. They don't respect right. the art form. They don't respect the time it took and what the guts it takes to get up there and put yourself totally. on a stage by yourself in front of people and talk about, you know, masturbating or talking about like, in your case, talking about your grandma's hand jobs. Like it's right. It's hilarious. And that they just don't get it. They don't get it. And yeah. And they ruin it for everyone. Oh my God. It's absolutely crazy. It's it's very weird. Exactly. Cause like it is, um, people just go to a comedy club. You know what I mean? They're like, usually when people go to see uh, music, for instance, they're like, well, I like that band, I'm going to go see that band. Mm-hmm. But with comedy, they just, like, go to the comedy club. So yeah. they're on a date. They're not, like, I'm a... And there are certain places, like UCB, I mentioned being one of them. Uh, there's a, you know, place called Creek in the Cave, where I did the album, actually, in Long Island City. Uh-huh. But, like, people are comedy fans, and they're going there for that. And you can... You, I mean, you can tell the difference immediately. Because they... They know the etiquette. Like, you don't have to come out. You don't have to be like, hey, where are you from? That's a dumb shirt. You're what? Stupid. Like, you, they don't want any of that. They yeah. just want you to come out. They want you to do your joke. And they want you to be you, which is great. Um, and they're patient. They're listening. And they laugh at the parts that you like, which yeah. is like... And, and, and what that does is it allows you as a performer to be just so much more vulnerable and so much more free, which then makes the comedy so much better. So it's so important... I mean, there are people that are, you know, hilarious, but they're just like, they're in the wrong place. So they don't, I don't know, like, it's, it's hard for them to be themselves, but if you talk to them, you'd be like, wow, you're so much more than you are on stage, but you're not allowed to be because you, uh, you aren't performing, I guess, regularly in front of crowds that would appreciate really who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, when what, and I always thought that it was, this is what's been great, uh, in the past, um, I don't know how for many years that like Louie has kind of been the most famous um, comedian and, you know, arguably maybe the most artistic comedian or the most, you know, one of the most original comedians, one of the more unique comedians. Mm-hmm. So um, audiences uh, assume that with comedy, whereas like, you know, years earlier, it would be, uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a fan, but obviously he's wildly successful. 
um, you know, like Dane Cook being the most popular comedian, yeah. you're getting you know, people uh, associating comedy with a, a different version of it. And I, and this is it's subjective, but like my taste would cater more to Louis than um, Dane Cook. I just think it's like a richer um, package. Sure. And he's, I think he's, his thing too is he's proven how talented he is in so many different mediums. Like, right. like from his TV shows to that Horace and Pete show, which actually made me cry several times. Like it was brutal right. to watch. But then how he delivers yeah. it and how much thought goes into that delivery. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to post this tomorrow, not saying anything about it. And those people that see it will never be able to see it again that way with having no bias just turning yeah. on a show. I mean, who thinks of things like that, you know? And you think about totally. his process going into comedy, like how he starts with a joke. Like, his thing's more like, if I can make you say, oh, my God, versus laughing, you know, he would take that. You know? Right. And, and that's interesting, too. But, you know, it's just... And if you could see... I mean, just like... So, Amy Schumer came into your... your uh, the, to, You were hosting Whiplash, right? That's what you are saying? Yeah. And yeah, so... Yeah. Or like Chris Rock comes in, you know, they're legends, I mean, at this point. But totally. at the same time, that guy that went on before him has just as much potential to be the exact same... Like, you know, just as big of a legend, you know? Right. It's just so... It's just such, such an open book, you know? It's, yeah. It's fascinating. And so what got you into comedy? What what got you to like to go over the edge and say I'm going to go hit some open mics or I'm going to I'm going to do this. Right. Thing. What's going on guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on their 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June, and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equalvision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. 
Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. So I, um, I know it's just, uh, I'd always loved it from when I was younger. Yeah. Um, so my family, one of my aunts, one of her best friends was a waitress at a comedy club in North Jersey called Rackles. Mm-hmm. So we would go like once a year and, um, you know, I was like young and, and I just thought that they were like incredible. And I was, uh, my mom was a George Carlin fan and, um, I was kind of exposed to him at an early age and just, I just thought they were unbelievable. I, I, I couldn't really pin why I liked it so much, what it was, but I just knew that it stood out to me more than it seemed to stand out to other people. Uh-huh. So I think whenever that happens, you're like, well, that's something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, she took me to go see George Carlin. We were on a family vacation uh, to Vegas when I was in eighth grade, and she surprised me with George Carlin tickets at Valley's, and it was like the coolest thing I had ever been to. And um, I always wanted to do it, but I was just shy. I was just, you know, a weird kid. And then um, I had my best friend, oh, Greg, actually, who does the podcast. With yeah. Um, he had been doing stand-up from, like, the end of high school, uh, sparingly. And, like, we kind of shared, like, like, a sensibility in terms of, like, man, I, I think we love this thing, not like other people love it. And But I was just too nervous to go up and do my own stuff. So then I uh, went to college, studied architecture, kind of, you know, did that for a little bit, and then later on you know went to school architecture traveled around a bit and then moved back not moved back but moved to new york when i was like 27 mm-hmm. uh 28 somewhere in there and um greg and i started doing improv at ucb because i was still like i can't do anything on my own like i'll freak out and ran a show actually at the creek and he would turn to me to talk and i would just not talk because i was just petrified <laughs> so then at some point i was like man i gotta start for the, even for the sake of the show like, I got to start doing stand-up. <laughs> and then um, I remember I went up for the first time. I was uh, scared. I uh, I went up under a fake name. I went up under Leslie Oliver. 
Um, and I, I uh, yeah, man, I went up as Leslie Oliver. It was uh, an open mic um, in the Lower East Side Cake Shop. Cake for Lance uh, ran the open mic at the time. And um, I, I kind of the idea was I would tell these like really mundane stories with no punchline, but the punchline would be that they were really boring. It was like, have you ever like heard Dave Hill or like what he used to do? It was a lot like that. Uh-huh. And um, then people would like people like would remember me from then and would be like, it seemed like really high concept, you know, <laughs> like it seemed like I was, you know, like the next <laughs> Christian Shawl. And people would be like, this guy's out there. But no, I was just nervous. Like that's all it was. And then um, eventually started writing my own jokes and uh, performing uh, under my name and um, and uh, just kind of went from there. Uh, just doing open mic shows and then kind of just picked up. And you've had some big stuff come along in that short amount of time too. I mean, where I mean, one of the big things was Colbert, which sure. I know my listeners would be interested to hear how. And I listened to I listened to the podcast that you did about it, uh, which right. you did a second time because it didn't record. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's classic Raju. It, it was still it was <laughs> yeah. still as engaging, I believe, but. Uh, can you touch on oh, some of that, you. like the process that you went through getting totally. to that point, how it kind of came across, and then like maybe things you had to change or, you know, kind yeah. of the timeline on that? Yeah. So, um, let's see, I did Colbert uh, in March. Mm-hmm. So, around, um, I think December, or, uh, some yeah, maybe like December, uh, I had sent Conan uh, a set from like, year like maybe a year and a half ago mm-hmm. and then uh all uh friends sam morell mark norman had both put in a word for me with the booker and it you know they're these bookers they're just they're so busy and like so he just it took him a while to get around to it but he emailed me back like december with extensive notes they were great i was like awesome this is all i'm gonna work on a conan set this is so cool and then i was working on the set to send him another version of it because he saw the initial tape and was like, I want to see these jokes in this order. And uh-huh. then send me a tape of that. So I was doing that. I was at Sam New York. And then the booker for Colbert, I didn't know she was there. She just happened to be in the crowd while I was running the set. She was taken by it. And she was like, I really want you on Colbert. And I was like, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm wor- you know. And now it's like, it's, it's, it's always happens in comedy. Where you have nothing. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, do I have to tell Conan? I can't. Like, what do I do? <laughs> um, and... and so, um, so then, uh, <laughs> sorry, like I just, uh, um, sat down next to me on the bench. Um, oh, awesome. uh, so I had to walk away. Okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, so she sees it, she's taking it. So then, uh, whoever, um, agents, managers, they all kind of worked out, um, worked it out with Conan. Cause that last thing I wanted is to just, uh, deceive anyone or take anyone you know i i just never want to become that hollywood person yeah know? yeah so um but they were like assured me it was it was gonna be cool i talked to him he was like that's so like he was such a great guy about it and he was like man if she can get you on colbert right away do that um so she said you know like we can you can do colbert in like a week or so um but the you know cbs had not seen my set she was super into it and that was great so it took, uh, I'd say, like a two-month-long process of like sending her tape after tape after tape after tape, so that CBS could approve the set. Which the reason for the, it's so hard to make a tape is just because like you need you need to position the camera so it's facing you. Uh-huh. But then you, if that's going to happen, you also need the crowd to be full so the laughs are there. Yeah. So if the crowd's full, they're going to take up shooting space for the camera. So it's like a real catch twenty-two. So it's hard to make. So it took like. I'd say, yeah, like three months of, uh, I don't know, maybe like how many tapes I sent her, 10 to 15, until we finally got the one. She passed it on to CBS. Uh, I didn't hear anything back for like a week. And then uh, the week of, um, I think, oh, man, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> there were like, I, my room, there were, I had like a spider infestation at one point in my bedroom. Oh, so gosh. I was like, I was getting, yeah, I was getting these spider bites like that Monday. I, so I went to go sleep on the couch in my apartment. I, you know, I have like half a blanket on me. I'm like itching. I'm like sort of cold. Yeah. And I wake up to an email from CBS. It's like, do you want to do Colbert on Thursday? 
And I was like, he was like yeah, oh, I mean, this, Jesus. Is, oh, this is crazy. Yeah. So then um, they had a couple notes for the set. Nothing. Um, yeah, no, actually, right. So they didn't really have any initial notes, but then they all of a sudden had like notes for the order of the set. Uh, the jokes didn't change, but the order changed. And there is something with like when you're nerve when you're so nervous, you just rely on muscle memory. So yeah. it's like I had to do the set at least five or six times just to make sure that in any possible situation I could just get the words out. Uh-huh. So, so that week was spent. Um, I tried to run the set like five or six times, uh, and then one of them it just bombed horribly. And that like it. But I got everything out in the order, and I got all the words out right, and I didn't, you know, I didn't throw up or anything. <laughs> so that gave me confidence. And, like, people were like, no, you're going to be great. Like, And I was like, that made me happier than anything that I could just, like, oh, if I can do it in that situation, I'll probably be okay. So then, um, yeah, the next night, uh, uh did it. And the only real, um, the only major note I got was I got an email from them because I was going to wear a suit. You know, the tradition is everyone would wear a suit when they did Letterman, so they were doing that for Colbert. And they gave me not a ton of notes on the actual jokes, but then I got an email from them that said, yeah, you can't wear a suit. Uh, you, I had an email from CBS that just said, we really want you to look like a well-dressed Uber driver, which I was like, I, I, was like, I don't even know what that means, really. That's what it said? It said that? Yeah, I swear to God. Um, so, and, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I just wore, like, dark jeans, a jacket, and uh, and it was funny, the warm-up comic came into the green room before I was about to go on, and he goes, uh, he was like, hey man, you should just wear that, and I was like, yeah, that'd be funny, like, this is what I'm gonna wear. <laughs> <laughs> so you completely and, bucked um, the trend of the suit, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nice, though, and there, that, it's a, it's a smart thing, though, because um, uh, it does make a difference when you see someone, like, you know, it's whatever they're wearing. It is like a manifestation of their personality. So, sure. it, I, it's, I, and it was never something that I really thought of. So, I thought that that was kind of a smart move on their end. Mm-hmm. And still, so they um, had all that. They they gave you. They changed the order around. You did the open mics. Got the set ran through. One of them bombed. Yeah. You're in the green room with the yep. warm up comic. You wearing the coat you put on that morning. You know, yeah. dressed like a well dressed Uber driver. And then, yeah, then what yeah, happens yeah. for that? Like, are your nerves going crazy? I mean, yeah. So I'm fine. Um, and then uh, 20 minutes before, all my nerves kick in, uh-huh. and I am I, I could feel my hand shaking. I could feel my voice quivering, mouth getting dry. Uh, and Brendan, who you know, do the podcast with, had told me because he had just done Seth Meyers months before, and all he said to me was to keep a water bottle on me. Like, at all times, just uh-huh. right before I go up. Don't even... So I did that, and I was like, you know, math was just getting dry. I was just pounding water. And, and then I'm in the wings. I'm waiting to go on. And I'm like, I could feel, like, my knees locking, you know, a little bit. And and then Colbert, before he brings me out, runs from his desk to just say hi to me. And he just goes, man, I watched your tape. You're so funny. I'm so happy you're doing the show. And then ran back to his desk and introduced me. And it was such a pro move because then I was just so jazzed to meet Stephen Colbert that, yeah. like, I forgot I was doing late night. So I was just like, that's crazy. I met Colbert. And then all of a sudden I'm, like, at, you know, in the middle of the Ed Sullivan Theater in my, on my third joke. Um, so it was like, I don't know if that was his intention, but, man, did that make a world of difference. Because I would have been a different performer that night if he hadn't done that. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's yeah, such a pro was, move. I mean, how you think maybe he's done that every single time? Maybe he just did it that one time. You have no idea. Like, you know? <laughs> I like to believe it was the one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, did Stephen but, Colbert do much stand-up, or was he mainly just a, a comedic actor? Yeah, as far as I know, um, he was a sketch and improv guy. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he did any stand-up at all. Yeah. I mean, I, there are episodes of him on Tough Crowd, uh, though, that are great, uh-huh. which is... Uh, which was a cool thing to watch because, like, you know, Tough Crowd was just dominated by, like, you know, the stellar guys like Apollo, Patrice, Jim Norton. Yeah. And then uh, Colbert is on a couple episodes, and, man, it's like he really holds his own. He's uh, such a funny guy. Yeah. I used to love how he'd clap for himself when he'd run over to an interview. But, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the best, man. Oh, my but, God. So you, I mean, you you just did Colbert. I mean, that's that's fantastic. I mean, what happened, and I, I heard him when I watched it, so – the way 
it kind of worked out for me. So I got the email from the publicist that said, you know, here's the link to Colbert. Here's the link to this and this and this. I checked out the podcast. Right. For Luckily, I checked out the podcast first because right. I saw there's a recap, and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this first and then watch the performance. And it just all made sense. You know, like you could tell there was some nerves, but you played it off so well. Like it, it played into the into the role because I went back – Later and watch some of that material from different stand-up uh, actual tapes on YouTube or whatever, and saw how they looked right. in a club, and it was totally different. It's a whole yeah. other vibe. Yeah, oh, totally, man. A whole the other rhythm vibe. is the rhythm is different, and it's something that you, or at least myself, I didn't pick up on until I was doing the set. Because uh-huh. at a club, I mean, the way I build my jokes is they're like they're kind of built for like pop, 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 big pop. Pop, yeah. pop, 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 big pop. So, like, they're really relying on this, like, kinetic momentum. Um, but with a television audience, they're not going to give you those, like, little laughs along the way mm-hmm. to get to the big one. They're more composed as an audience. So they're they're more prone to clap, too. So they're listening, and then they're going to clap at the end. So it was, like, something as I was doing it that I realized I had to adjust mm-hmm. uh, my pacing to account for that. Um, and it, it's just it's just a different kind of uh, interaction. Because the whole thing is weird. Like, the whole thing doesn't really make sense. I mean, a talk show happens, and then you come out with a mic. No one's had a microphone yet. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have one, but for the most part, people do late night with a mic. It's like, no one's had a microphone on the whole show yet. Yeah. And then you come out and you do stand-up for no real reason. A celebrity was interviewed. Like, it doesn't really make sense. And then an audience, it's their first time on television, too. So everybody feels weird. <laughs> so it's a, it's a much different energy than at, you know, uh, a nightclub. Yeah. It's like DJing and, a middle um, school dance. Like yeah. You come out, is. hey, it, who's it, ready to rock and roll? And everyone's standing on opposite yeah. sides trying not to sweat. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's way more uh, composed than, like, you know, people slapping the table at a comedy club. It's just, like, people, like, listening, and they were like, that was funny, and now I'll clap. Yeah. And, uh... You know, it's just adjusting to that. Well, it seems like a lot of your material, too, is autobiographical, which, I mean, you write from your own experiences and everything else. Like, when you're when you're working through this material, like, how long did it take you to put together the set for the record, um, Dream Occupation? Oh, oh, for uh, I mean, that's uh, the full eight years, or eight and a half years that okay. I've been doing comedy, I'd say. I was, yeah. It's, yeah, you have your whole life to make your first record and six months to make your second, right? <laughs> yeah, that really it is weird, right? That's, yeah, that's kind of how it is. I, I mean, I don't have like um, a time frame, uh, you know, uh, you know, at least with Comedy Central that I'm like contracted for, but it does feel like that. Um, yeah. It's so strange, and it, it's nothing that I've ever uh, encountered before. Where like um, once, and you know, I would hear people talk about that, but it's the reality. Like once it's done, you're like, shit, I'm starting over now. Yeah, but like, it, yeah, it's just weird. And it's not like you go and play the hits either. Like, are you the way? Yeah. I mean, I know you're just coming into this now because you just put out your your record, but and and your right. special. I mean, too, it comes out. I think October sixth, right? Yeah. Um. So that hasn't aired yet. So, are you still doing material from this? If you go like you were to go do a um, a show between now and then, still doing material from the record, and then once that all gets released to the world, drop it all and start fresh. Or is your style more um, kind of peppering some of that back in? Yeah, it depends on the room. I I mean, I don't have so many years under my belt. Yeah. Uh, so like, if I'm if I'm doing a headlining set that's like you know forty to fifty minutes, I need everything from the record to do the set. Uh-huh. So uh, I you know I kind of have to do it for the sake of like I can't just do all new, especially you know I mean, the club is paying however much for me to be there for the weekend. And I want to be brought back to that club. Yeah. So I have to do well in a sense. So like, I do need those jokes for that. But if I'm doing like a bar show, um, or like a club around town where there's like a certain comfort level, then yeah, for the most part, I'd say yeah, all of it is stuff that's not on the record or the special. It's just new stuff that happened from uh, then to now. Okay. I love how switched on you are, man. Like you, you're just completely switched on. I mean, you're so in tune with what you need to do and, you know, putting that in with what you want to do. I mean, it just see you can hear the, you know, just from listening to you speak, like how invested in this you are and, you know, you take oh, it seriously, yeah. you know, like it's, and it's, it's totally. funny taking, taking humor seriously, you know, like 
There's a lot of work that goes into it. And that's why I love talking to comedians on my show because, you know, I do a lot of musicians. I do a lot of like business type people from, from the industry, but talking to comedians is some of the realest conversations I've ever had, you know, and genuine, it's genuine. And it's because I think because it's you out there, it's you alone out there. Yes. You have, you know, someone putting out the record and everything else, but it's up to you only to go out there and make people laugh and have a good time. You know, all the responsibilities on you. And where you have a band, you yeah. have a bunch of people, you know, like, oh, totally. so-and-so sick, you need to fill in on this, you know, and and right. um, it's just something I really, really admire. And I don't think enough people take stock in it, you know, and, and look that deeply into it. But hopefully some of these right. conversations will show that, you know, and, and uh, that would be awesome, man. Yeah. The I mean, yeah, comedy would just benefit. Um, and people are starting to get more and more informed because of podcasts, but it's like, if that's the intention, like, wow, holy hell, do we thank you for that? Yeah. That would be amazing. And um, I mean, people, if they go into it with a different mindset, knowing the amount of work that goes into it, the amount of years and right. how many times you have to bomb just to make that joke funny. Right. I mean, when you, and oh your, my God, yeah. your style, so being, uh, I mean, this record at least seems very autobiographical and it seems like most of it's pretty true with a funny spin on right. it, you know, like. Right. Was your actual pass or your password for you know your your uh, oh, dream yeah, job? Oh no, that is that's real. That is a hundred percent true. That yeah. is um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. I have a problem. Not. Um, it depends. Like you can you can flub certain things. Like I'll flub just because there's an easier way to get into it that way. Uh-huh. Um, but for the most part, I have trouble if it's a straight up lie. Because then, for whatever reason, I feel um, I feel disconnected to it. But then also, I just feel like, why is this? Why am I doing this? You know what I mean? Yeah. And usually, the truth—not always, but for the most part—the truth turns out to be a lot funnier. And also, like with smarter crowds, they kind of just know if you're lying. Yeah. Um. So it's like it's not worth all that stress for me. Uh. I don't. I don't like all that mental juggling. So. Um. <laughs> I try, uh, yeah, for the, I would say, I mean, that, yeah, that's 100% true. And I'm trying to think of, like, anything <laughs> on the album that really isn't. Uh, it's just, like, certain certain jokes, like, I, I have, like, one joke about my girlfriend being younger, uh-huh. um, where it's, like, it's, uh, a friend of mine was, like, how do you relate to someone in their early 20s? Like, I don't know if I had a friend that said that, Um but it's, like, easier to get into the joke that way than me presenting, like, sort of an abstract situation. Sure. But those are, like, the only times, I think, um, where they're called. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, like, I don't know. I try to keep it as true as possible. Dude, and it's relatable comedy, too. That's what's so great is it's not above and beyond. I mean, we've all had that situation where we've called into you know, right. Amazon or whatever and, like, well, what did you order, yeah. sir? And it's like, oh, fuck, you can see it, yeah. can't you? Like. That wasn't for me. That was for my wife. Like, you know, that awkward <laughs> right. situation where they're like trying yeah. to be professional. Well, what is your uh, what would what be your dream job? Did I say suck in my own dick? <laughs> right. uh, well, glad I got it right. Yeah. You know, and that timing it just <laughs> hits you and hits you and hits you and then wraps back around. I mean, it's yeah. It it you yeah. make it look easy. You make it look easy, Thanks, but man. I can tell the amount of time and work that goes into it. And it's I just, really you know, appreciate uh, you saying that. Yeah, that's. I think that's what sometimes is uh, the difficulty in people seeing that is because uh, you know we want it to seem so conversational and so um, believable, and that like you know just talking to you as an audience member. But when when that's accomplished, then you're like, well, anybody could do it. Like that's that's easy. But it's like, oh no, that like took a lot of work to make it seem like it's magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like you but, had um, this idea yeah, and you had to, to wrap it around and make it relatable to everyone else and, right. and also hide some of the reveal that comes later. Totally. You know, when's the right time to drop this little, you know, bomb and then maybe the last joke of the right. set, we tie it back all together, right. you know. And that's what uh, comes and that's what's so good about, uh, I don't know what it's like to start other places, but starting in New York, um, you just have access to so many different kinds of rooms where like UCB, they're a comedy savvy crowd. And then, you know, Caroline, they're a bunch of tourists. So uh-huh. you really need both. It just makes your comedy more well-rounded because the savvy crowds, they want they want you and they want it to be vulnerable and they want it to be original. Yeah. And then the people on dates just want punchlines. 
So yeah. it's like you doing both rooms like forces you to write original premises with hard punchlines. So it makes for uh, a strong comic, which is why I think a lot of um, you know the best comics are you know guys who work in New York. Sure, people that work in New York. Sure, and then that gets you ready for when you're doing Madison Square Garden, and the crowd is incredibly mixed. You know, to yes. get them all laughing yeah. at the same time, that seems like right. the ultimate challenge. Like, how do I make a joke yeah. that, you know, this, this uh, you know, indie hipster loves just as much totally. the irony of it as this soccer mom that's bringing her kid, you know? Right. Oh. Yeah, and, and that's the feeling That's the feeling I had when I saw Carlin when I was in eighth grade. I was in eighth grade. I mean, he was talking about abortion. I didn't know what abortion was. <laughs> And but my mom was laughing, but then he started talking about farts, and I was laughing, and I was like, <laughs> "This is insane! Like this is the coolest!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a genius. I mean, that the fact that you yeah. got to see him live—that's fantastic. I mean, you know, not everyone gets to do that, you know, because yeah. he is gone. But damn, yeah, what a genius! I mean, and you're well on your way to that, you know. Like, I, I mean, just the fact of getting an email saying hey you know yeah check this out and i was like yeah okay and i'm putting it on i'm like oh, damn this is great like i feel so lucky to be able to for one discover some awesome new comedy but then you know get to chat with you for you know 45 minutes to an hour just about whatever that's the other yeah. coolest thing about podcasting is you get to right. talk to these people about whatever you want you know and and make it interesting <laughs> yeah. and you know like i prepped yeah. i prepped two pages of notes i haven't even opened my notebook you know because i was like what if it what right. if it's a nightmare you know what if what if uh, it it bombs? You know, it's the same thing. Like, what yeah. if I bomb? I literally have not oh. opened the notebook. It's literally sitting on my seat, closed. Like, and that's what I totally. love. It's just natural. Yeah. You know, and I really appreciate you know how open you are about things and and just open to discussion. And and I'm sure you've answered a lot of these things a million times, and you'll answer them a million more. But I try to at least keep it somewhat original. And and uh, you know and and. Only going off of what I've seen so far, you know, I've got right. a lot of work left to do for, you know, getting into your work and, and where you've, you know, come from. But, uh, right. I mean, the record is fantastic. Uh, Dream Occupation is on Thank Comedy Central so much, Records. Man. It's out now. Um, you can check it out on Spotify. You can check it out, you know, you, you can, can, is it in stores or is it mainly just online, like iTunes purchasing? Yeah, I think it's just, uh, digital on, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play. I'm sure there's a couple other ones that I'm forgetting. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Awesome. And the Rad Dude cast is the podcast. Uh, you can get that everywhere. Podcasts are available. I subscribe to it on iTunes and it's absolutely hilarious. I know my listenership's really going to love this interview and, um, if you're cool with that, may throw a couple clips in from the record, uh, you know, as a lead-in and everything else for you. Um, of course, man. And uh, just really, really stoked at what you're doing, man. I, I'm on board 100%, and uh, I really appreciate you Thank coming you. on the show. so much, man. And uh, it's, you know, it's almost, what, 7 o'clock over there in New York, and I'm in Portland, so I'm on, you know, even, <laughs> early evening. It's no sweat for me, but, you know, being yeah. available oh, and, man. and upbeat, man, I appreciate it a lot. No worries, man. I love uh, I love Portland. I lived in Portland for uh, like four months out of my life. Really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. After Hawaii, actually. I Are you coming over here months. on tour for this record? I would love to. Um, I would love to play Helium. Yeah, uh, I absolutely love the city. Awesome. I would I would really enjoy that. <laughs> I would definitely come out because <laughs> I. Uh, it'd be nice to meet you in person and and chat. But I would love to see the show. Likewise. You know, so. Um, Absolutely, but I'm gonna let you get back to your evening, dude. Uh, Anthony Devito, big big props to you, man, for coming on. Really appreciate it. The record is Dream Occupation. Go listen to it on Spotify. Pick it up on iTunes and uh, and follow this guy. He's fantastic. So, thank you, brother. Thanks so much, man. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, dude. Take care. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Anthony Devito. I know you guys enjoyed it. And uh, really hope you guys check out his stuff. Absolutely hilarious dude. His album is called Dream Occupation, and it's out on Comedy Central Records. Check it out on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get your comedy. Uh, you can stream it. You can purchase it. Uh, definitely check him out on the road. Uh, but that is Anthony DeVito, absolutely hilarious dude, and had a blast having him on. So just a reminder to you guys, the Patreon is up and live, patreon.com slash Podcast. If you guys want to get that bonus content, get signed up. Help the show out. Support the show every month. We're going to have some merch coming out soon. We're going to have a bunch of stuff going on. 
And uh, as usual, we have shows every single week on Saturdays on Adobe Radio and on iTunes. So definitely, definitely stick with us. We got awesome stuff coming up. We got uh, our one year anniversary episode coming up, and uh, I'll be announcing more on that later. But uh, we are going to have so much cool shit going on. It's going to be insane. Year two will be insane. So glad to have you guys week after week. Check out the Patreon. Check us out on socials, peerpleasurepodcast.com. And as usual, we'll see you on the radio. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.